Good morning, everyone. I'm Jacques, uh, just for those of you who don't know me, and I work with the youth here at Westville Baptist Church. And I'm extremely excited to be sharing a message with you, with you this morning. Um, but before we do, I want us to play a game. It's an Afrikaans TV show. Um, some of you might know this game as Noot for Noot. <laughs> First service were way more excited about Noot for Noot. I think they were giving away the age, maybe. Okay, so it's not going to work exactly the same as Note for Note, but we're going to play a little snippet of a song, and uh, then you need to tell me what the, where the song is from. Is that okay? Great stuff. So listen to this first one. Oh, go for it. Okay. Richard gave it away. He said, Night Runner! Pastor Richard. He's one of the pastors here. Richard, thanks for giving that away for all of us. Good job. Okay, let's do this next one. Let's do this next one. You can shout it out like Richard and spoil it for us all. <laughs> or you could put your hand up. Let's do this however we want. We've got freedom here. Um, let's listen to this next one. Here we go. Great, I saw that hand waving at me there in the back. All right, you lady in the, blue, in the blue shirt, you waved at me like this. Mission impossible. Tom Cruise... I talk, this guy manages to make any impossible mission a piece of cake. I think it's because of his stylish hair, I think. Or his sunglasses, I don't know. This next one is my absolute favorite song on the planet. Okay, I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm being completely serious. It stirs up emotion that I can't describe with words inside of me. Listen to this next one and see if you feel the same. Okay, I, I feel like I want to just ask Graham. Who, Graham, what is this from, bro? <laughs> Barney the Purple Dinosaur, right? All of Peyton, my daughter, four-year-old daughter's DVDs have been hidden away because I love this so much. Who felt the same feeling of absolute passion? Great, great. Okay, <laughs> let's listen to this next one. Let's listen to this next one. Great. I was thinking there's no hands. I'm seeing some people dancing because of passion and love for the song. Where's this from? Yeah, very close, very close. In the back there, let's see. Yes, that's Shakira. The song is called Waka Waka, and it's from the 2010 Soccer World Cup. Good, good guess. Well, not good guess, good answer. So sharp. This next one, I think, is my favorite one. Let's listen to this next one, see if you recognize this. I saw someone with both hands up in the back there. Shout it out. Barry says over here, I'm saying over there, I've got the mic, so I win. Mango Groove, that's <laughs> very close. I can see why you said that. Let's try in the front, yeah? Voldo. 97, was it not the 95 World Cup? No, no, it's fine. You were very close. <laughs> PJ Powers, World in Union. You just got, you got like, you're like two years out there though. No, it's fine. We forgive you, we love you. As South Africans, we, we still choose to love you. 
I think all if, if every single one of these songs, if you know the song, if you've heard it before, would have transported you back into time to a moment in history. I remember with the Night Rider one, the first time I ever saw Night Rider was in my granny's house. Incredible stuff. Hearing a, a talking car. And someone told me I look like um, Michael Knight, apparently. The first service, first service, some guy shots, just a smaller version. I was like, no ways, man. I'm much bigger, stronger, and way more good looking than Michael Knight. Um, I think the one that, trans- that has the most emotional effect on me is probably the, the World in Union, PJ, PJ Powers one. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, th- that day of World Cup match, my friends and I were playing in a field right by my house, and we kicked a ball on someone's roof. And then I, I chose, I nominated myself to be the fetcher, the collector of that ball on this roof. So, so I climbed up this wall. I felt like Spider-Man, got on top of the roof, threw the ball down. And then in an instant, I realized that I was definitely not Spider-Man because I couldn't find the way back down. The only possible or most logical solution for me was to jump. And that's what I did. And then when I landed, I heard a, a cracking sound. Something tore in my knee, and almost instantaneously, my knee swelled up to double its size. So my, friend car- my friends carried me home, and I remember just sitting there, blobbing there on the couch, as my whole family and friends were sitting in the lounge or TV room watching the World Cup, right? <laughs> Everybody was sitting on the, the, like the tips of the, the, the edge of, the, of their seats. There were like snacks, and they were delicious, and free beverages going around, because normally we pay for food at home. I don't even know why I said free. <laughs> Anyway, and everybody was excited. I didn't even love watching um, rugby at that stage. I was excited because everybody else was excited. My dad was standing. I still remember the vein in his neck as he shouted at the TV. was excited. My mom watched my dad cheering him on. You go. You go, husband. <laughs> You're supporting like a legend. And then we won. My goodness, I remember that feeling. I didn't, love, I didn't like rugby at all. I just remember everyone was excited, even me, sitting there with my swollen up knee. I remember listening to the sounds in our community. People were driving around hooting. They were leaning out of their windows. Maybe it's because of the part of Joburg that I was from at that stage. But anyway, with the new, not the old, the new South African flag being waved. I remember all those emotions. I wonder... I wonder if we've created a church that looks like, like a rugby match. Let me explain what I mean. We're starting a series today. It's called Not a Fan. And the subtitle of my message for to, the title for my message today is Fan or Follower. I wonder if we've created churches that are full of fans and not full of followers. When I think of the word fan, are you a fan or a follower? When I think of the word fan, the, the, the image that comes to my mind is, is this one, the one of sport, where we see a bunch of people sitting in stadiums quite comfortably watching a match from the sideline. And sometimes, like I remember my dad giving these guys instructions, that was my favorite thing, as if they could hear him. The difference between a, a follower for me and a fan in this context is, is that a fan watches from the outside, and a fan leaves it up to the professionals to do the work. Now, when I th- look at this image, I wonder if it looks the same as our church today. Not, not, maybe our church, maybe the church as a whole. The image looks very much the same. Got a stage, got a bunch of comfortable seats, and, and we observe from the side. And I wonder if we are truly producing followers 
and not fans. When I think of fan, I think of sport. I think of someone supporting from the outside. When I think of the word follower, I get this straight from Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 9, um, so Jesus is, is choosing his disciples. So he comes across a man named Matthew. And Matthew was a tax collector. He was hated by everyone, hated by his community, by his peers, by the religious groups, by the Romans. He was just hated. Tax collectors were hated because they stole from people to line their own pockets. That was the bottom line. So Jesus shows up, and he sees Matthew in a tax collector's booth. So, so just so you know, Matthew was, a, was sinned for a living. Like he got paid, he, he sinned for, that's how he made his money. Imagine having that as a job. But anyway, Jesus shows up and he looks at him and he says, follow me. So it's very interesting that he said, follow me to this tax collector. Because that wasn't the way that rabbis, Jesus was a rabbi, chose their students, their pupils, the ones who were meant to follow them. Traditionally, all Jewish boys were raised to become rabbis. If you excelled up until grade 12, if you were supposed to have the first five books of the Old Testament memorized, and some of the, some of the prophets and some of the extra writings, you needed to have it memorized. And then if you excelled in this area, you were selected to move on to the next phase. If you weren't selected, they were, you were told that you've been disqualified. Go learn your family trade. But if you were qualified and you, and you were selected, you would move on. Then hopefully at some stage, you would be chosen or you could choose your rabbi. So what would then happen is these Jewish boys, would then, they would then go and choose their rabbi. The reason they needed to do the choosing was because each rabbi had a different interpretation of the law. They called it the rabbi's yoke. The rabbi's yoke was their interpretation of the law. And some of them interpret the scriptures literally. Some of them had a more spiritual approach. But, but you needed to choose because once you go and approach this rabbi, you would carry this yoke or you would have to follow his teachings exactly to the T till the day you die. So it wasn't to be taken lightly. And then once you selected, the rabbi would say to me, follow me. Follow me. They would choose from rabbinic school. Jesus, on the other hand, doesn't wait for people to come to him. He doesn't go to rabbinic school. Rabbinic. Am I saying that right? Feels like I'm not saying it right. Anyway, it's rabbinic. That, I'm right. Definitely saying it right. Jesus doesn't go to the school. He just walks around. And he says, hey, there's a tax collector who's been disqualified. And Jesus says, follow me. And then he does. This is incredible. Matthew leaves everything behind and he follows Jesus. And he, he understood a few things. He understood if he had to follow a rabbi, the commitment was very high. You would then lay down your old life, completely change the way you think, and take on the teachings of the person you're following. Every single day of your life for the rest of your life. So he knew the commitment. And he understood that he would need to call Jesus Lord, you need to call Jesus Lord. A lot of people know Jesus as Savior, but there's a difference between Savior and Lord, okay? So let me explain. The word Lord, the original word is kurios, and which can be translated into master, but in this context, more accurately, it's translated into the owner of a slave. This was very much the language of slaves. So when Matthew would say Lord, what he would say is, I'm your slave, and you're my owner, and I'm ready to serve you. I want to do whatever you tell me to do. The question this morning is, are you a fan, or are you a follower? Are you someone that knows Jesus as Savior? You get to go to heaven, and that's exciting. 
But can you say, Lord, when you speak to Jesus? Can you say, Lord, my master, I want to be a slave to you. The second thing that comes to my mind when I, when I think of fan and follower, the first thing was slave. The second thing is that a follower has a purpose. You should have a purpose. A guy named Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this. He says, the most important days of your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. I remember the day I found out why I was created like it was yesterday. And I've chosen to surrender my life to that calling. Do you know why you were made? Do you know why God made you? Robin Sharma says this. He says, the purpose of life, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Question is, you need to answer this to yourself. Are you living a life of purpose? When I was in high school, I started working for a place called Aerojump. And I worked right up until I finished school um, during studies um, anyway, so I worked at this place called Aerojump, and what they would do is they would put you on a trampoline, they would strap you in a harness, and then you'd bounce on the trampoline, they shoot you eight to nine meters into the air. It's exciting stuff. Get to do black flips and everything, right? And um, so they didn't earn much money, but then center management, so, so, so this little rig was set up, I don't know if you guys remember where the climbing wall was. It's close to where the wave house is, the opposite side of Gateway, depending on where you're coming from. But anyway, we used to be inside. And then center management decided that we needed to move outside because they wanted to do a promotion inside where we were. And we went from doing 300 to 400 jumps a day to one jump every other day. So we went from having like six people on duty at a time to one person sitting there in an ugly yellow and red shirt and pants and this ugliest hat on the planet that said aero jump on it in the sun, just standing there looking not cool at all. I remember one day just sitting there by myself for hours just thinking, Lord, this just feels like such a waste. I feel like I'm not doing what you've called me to do. I'm not feeling like I'm living out my purpose. Please just send someone to come and jump so I can speak to them maybe. And maybe somehow share the gospel, but, but I'm wasting my time. I'm getting, like peanut, I'm getting paid peanuts. And then at the end of the day, I take those peanuts and buy McDonald's. So I just sat in the whole day in the sun to buy my McDonald's and then waste of money, waste of time. And not even joking, almost instantaneously, the moment I said amen, after praying the prayer, I see a, a lady with red hair walking out the doors towards me. And she says, hey, you look bored. And I said, well, I am. <laughs> and she said, you want a new job? And I said, yes, I want a new job. And I said, what do I need to do? She said, well, you need to work in retail. And I said, yes, I would love to work in retail. What's retail? I'm not even joking. I didn't know what retail was at that point. And then she says, well, you'd need to, need to sell clothes. You'd be working in a designer clothing store. And I thought, yes, I like clothes. I wear them. I could easily sell clothes. So she says, come the following day at lunchtime around one, and we're going to interview you. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I rock up there, and I meet the manager and the owner of the store. So the owner of the store says, are you interviewing? I said, yes. He says, I like you. Go sell that lady a dress. <laughs> So at that stage, I'm still introverted now, but at that stage, I was very introverted and was uncomfortable to speak to people. So I really felt God challenging me in the space. So the owner said, he likes me, so that's thumbs up, but now I need to sell a dress. So I walked to this lady, I said, hey, do you like this dress? She said, yes, and then bought it. <laughs> the guy said, good job, you've got the job. Also, actually, you're the manager now. 
exciting stuff. But here's my point of the story. God used that space to completely get me out of my comfort zone. And he started challenging me in the area of ministering and speaking to people. That was completely not my zone. I was, awesome. I was able to share the gospel with, with some of my staff. I was able to speak to people. And I really just broke through this mold of being uncomfortable to speak to people and step into my purpose. If you want to preach the gospel, you need to be able to speak to people. I mean, it should make sense, but then I was struggling with that at some point. When I was studying theology, um, I, was, I needed to write a paper on this passage. I'm going to read it to you. It's in Acts uh, 13, verse 22. It says, it says this. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He is God. He made, God made David king. God testified concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. So they said, we need you to write a, a, a paper on why David was a man after God's own heart. So we need to do the research, did all the research, and I discovered that David had a pretty awesome story. He was an incredible guy, a great leader. And um, so this guy was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the next king. Awesome story. Was that the reason that he was a man after God's own heart? Could it have been that he killed Dave, uh, Goliath, the giant? Was that the reason? He killed many other of Israel's enemies. He recovered the Ark of the Covenant. It was lost. And then he found it. He said, hey, we need to find this thing. He wrote more than 75 Psalms. 75 Psalms. Was this the reason David was a man after God's own heart? I remember writing this paper, passing this thing, but I just remember feeling that my answer was inadequate. It just wasn't good enough. And then just recently I discovered that the answer to this question was found in that very same passage. I don't know how I missed it. Listen to this. I'm going to read the passage again, but I'm going to include the second part. It says this. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And here's the answer. He will do everything I tell him to do. He was a man after God's own heart because he did everything God told him to do. He was completely obedient. He chose to call God Lord which means I see God, you're my master, you're my owner, I want to be your slave, and I want to do exactly what you told me to do, what you tell me to do. The question is, are you a fan, or are you a follower? Will you follow like David did? The awesome thing about God is He doesn't just give us a purpose, and then just leaves us. He doesn't just say, hey, you've got a purpose, but now figure it out. He, he gives us tools to help us walk into or discover this purpose. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 7, that, that, that says that we've all received gifts from the Holy Spirit. And I want to read this passage to you. 1 Corinthians um, 12, I'm going to read verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 7 says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Simply says, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. That's where the gifts come from. And then it says that every single believer has received one of those gifts. That means every single one of us here today, if you're a believer, God has given you a gift according to this passage. Every single one of us. The question is, if God has given every single one of us gifts, why are so few people grappling 
or trying to discover what their gifts are. I read a stat the other day. Um, it's an American stat, unfortunately. I couldn't find anything South African. It says that only 25% of Christians in America know what their spiritual gifts are. Only 25% of them know what, what their gifts are. We're not talking about using their gifts. Only, only 25% of them know. Have you discovered your spiritual gift? And if so, are you using it? I want to share a story with you uh, about a teen who was in my youth when I was in Joburg. This guy came to youth one night and he, he said, Jacques, why don't you come visit my mom and I? We just want to share our story. We just want you to pray with us. So I went to go visit him and they started sharing uh, their story. So his dad just passed away a few months before they, I went to go visit them and the, they were struggling. And then the mom, uh, she was retrenched. So the breadwinner had passed away. The mom had earned some sort of income, and, uh, but she got retrenched. They were just telling me how they were struggling. And she was just sharing how broken she was and how frustrated she was. And then this boy started telling me how he was feeling about his dad not being there, about him needing to step up and, and own some responsibility as a teen. And I remember just sitting there, being, I felt the stirring inside of me that I, I needed to quickly go home and go get the, the boy a pair of shoes because the shoes were broken. So I went home and I got a pair of shoes. I told him I'll be right back. And I went home, got, got, got this pair of shoes. It was my favorite pair. It was exactly the same pair as I'm wearing right now, except it was all black. Um, I took some money. I put an envelope and I gave it to the mom. I rocked up. I said, this is for you. Um, and I gave, I gave this bag of shoes, this little packet of shoes to the boy. And he just picked it up and just held it tight. He said, thank you, Jacques. Thank you so much. And um, so I look at my feet and I see these tiny little size eights or nines. And I look at the, this guy's feet and I realize he's got ships. I said, what size are you? He says, 11. Now I'm thinking, I, didn't, I def- definitely didn't hear from God. And then I say to him, put them on. Why did I say put them on? I wear a size nine. He wears a size 11. I'm like, oh my gosh. I should have just left, but I didn't. I just sat there watching him put, the, put his shoes on. So he take, opens, up the, opens up the bag. He loosens the laces. He puts his foot in the shoe and it fits. Why did it fit? I don't know. Maybe my feet are bigger than I thought. Maybe his was smaller than I thought. Maybe God did something. And then the next week, this guy shows up at youth wearing those same shoes. See, I gave them the gifts to use them. What a waste if he had just put the shoes in his cupboard. And I truly believe that God gives us gifts so we can use them. What a waste if we just put them in the cupboard. Followers use the gifts. Are you a fan or are you a follower? I'm going to wrap up this message with um, reading you a poem. It says this. Spring has passed. Summer is gone. Winter is here. And the song I was meant to sing remains unsung. For I've spent my days stringing and unstringing my instrument. This man was, this, this poem was written by a man full of regret. A man who knew he had a purpose, but he never stepped into that purpose. 
He spent his days stringing and unstringing and stringing and unstringing and stringing and unstringing his instrument. My question is, are you playing your instrument? Are you spending your day stringing and unstringing? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that we receive the free gift of salvation by believing in you. You died on the cross so we could receive this. So we know you as Jesus, our Savior. Lord, please help us to know you as Jesus, our Lord. We choose this morning to call you our master. We choose to be a slave to you. And I pray that you would help each and every single one of us this morning discover our purpose and our spiritual gifting. Because we want to use them. We don't want to waste our lives just stringing and unstringing our instruments. We want to do this all to glorify you.